Welcome to Answers to Life's Challenging Questions, helping to open your eyes to the many solutions to life's everyday challenges. We spend so much time looking for support and guidance on how to resolve the issues we face, it can be easy to get lost and overwhelmed. Join in as we provide practical and professional advice to help guide you towards overcoming your barriers and finding the hope that will reignite your passion and help you live a happy and healthy life. Now please welcome your hosts, Dr. Pamela Jordan and Dr. Craig Dossman. Welcome to Answers to Life's Challenging Questions. I'm Pamela Jordan. And I'm Dr. Craig Arthur Dossman. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Answers to Life's Challenging Questions. We are in for a treat today. We have a whole panel of guests who are joining us today who will be sharing with us over 150 years worth of experience with marriage and relationships. And I'm so excited. I mean, we have pastors and entrepreneurs and speakers and educators. We have a marriage and family therapist who will be joining us as well as a clinical psychologist. And they will all be sharing with us everything that they know about relationships and how to have a successful and healthy relationship that will one day lead to marriage. Or if you are married, how to have a healthy and happy marriage. So let's get started. Recently, Jada and Will Smith mentioned how they had an open relationship and I want to get your feedback on that, whether or not you feel that's healthy, why or why not that's not healthy, or is it just an individual thing? When you make a commitment, there's a difference between single. Single means that you're not married. Even if you're in a dating relationship, you are single. When you commit to marriage, that is something that you decide to do until death do you part. You have made a commitment to that person. And when you are in a marriage, you are not, you know, all these different other forms of marriage. I don't know how legitimate they are because once you've committed to that one person, that's where you should be. It's not healthy. People who are married are healthier when they're married to the person that they're like on the same page, they have the same core values and and so forth and so on. But if you're in a marriage where you're going to say it's an open marriage, that's not a marriage. There's no way that you can have that commitment there. And people are happier when they are married to the right person. Single people actually, based on the research, they have less happiness. Their happiness quotient is lower than those who are in a committed, a committed relationship to one partner. Wow, that's good. That's good. Anyone else like to comment on that? The very word marriage means commitment to a person. So if you're not going to be committed to the one person, then it is no longer a marriage. Dr. Hill. Got it. That's so true. That makes sense. All right. Well, we've finished our portion of the dating questions and let's move on to marriage questions. And uh, it kind of falls right into that category dealing with Once you're married and you're in a committed relationship, what the expectations are. And so one of our questions is, what advice would you have for a newlywed couple, a couple that's entering into a new relationship? What advice would you give them as they're entering into that new relationship? I would like to suggest that they spend at least a week on a date, having a date night. They need to discuss the strengths 
and also the gifts in their relationship. They also need to plan for their future. And it's also important, speaking from the spiritual perspective now, but they also must make Christ the focal point and also the center of their relationship. But it's very important that they spend time together with each other. Sometimes life can become so full with activities until we begin to forget about the fact that it's important for us to spend time together. There's a document that I share with couples, and it's entitled The Magic Six Hours. The Magic Six Hours, as far as parting from each other. We encourage them to develop a ritual to make your partner, your partnerings extra special. When saying goodbye, be sure to spend two minutes a day, five days a week. Reunion, stress-reducing conversation at the end of each workday. 20 minutes a day, five days a week. Communication, communicate Genuine appreciation for your partner, five minutes a day, seven days a week. Affection, touch, hold, and kiss five minutes a day, seven days a week. And as I mentioned earlier, the importance of date night, spending two hours together. And lastly, state of the union meeting. Meet one hour to talk about your relationship. And if you were to add all of that up, there would be a total of six hours a week to strengthen your relationship. Thank you so much, Dr. Brian. I like that. That's nice. Well, I like to add to that. That has to be intentional, though. Because a lot of times if you do not intend, have the intention of really doing that, the time will just get by you, you know, slip by you. And you also need to be respectful and be friends and learn to really talk to each other and share, you know. A lot of times when I might be doing some errands and I might not come home right away, I'm at Walmart. I said, honey, do you want something? Can I pick up something for you? So this is a ritual that we have developed. But the first thing we do before I leave the house, we pray together. If he doesn't pray for me, I'm going to pray for him. So we do make a point to try to pray together as much as possible. That must be an integral part of not only those who have just recently got married, but I think those who have been married for years should incorporate that into their marriage relationship. Great, great. Yeah, I hear a lot about prayer. Everybody's praying to find a mate. They're praying to keep the mate. They're praying to continue the relationship with the mate. That's definitely an important dynamic. Prayer is funny, everybody's saying prayer, but counseling through the years to people in my family, young people who decided to get married and they're still courting and they say, what, what, what should we do? I said, it might sound corny to you, but you pray for each other in each other's presence. You mentioned their name and this happened Well, a lot, I won't say so much in our courting, but in our marriage, and I can be upset or have an attitude that I shouldn't have, and my husband will end up praying for each other, and he mentions my name in prayer, and how can you be 
upset at this person who is taking you through the throne of glory and ask all the angels to come in and to protect your home. I mean, it's just humbling. So that I know works. I know that works. The other thing, before we leave each other, we say the Mizpah, the Lord watch between me and thee when we're absent one from another. Amen. And we kiss. If he walks me to the car, he'll pray for my protection in the car. And as I get in the car, if I'm by myself, I'll pray that the Lord protect me and protect my husband and bring us back together at the end of the day. Mrs. Dykes. Beautiful. Dr. Jordan. Yes. I would also say that one can never minimize the importance of premarital counseling. Now, my wife and I spoke about it a couple of nights ago. We don't remember how it happened or how our counseling was set up, but we met at the college. Mm -hmm. And when we were married, we set up our first home there in Huntsville. And I don't know how it happened. I guess we must have went to the college chaplain and they recommended to us a Christian clinical psychologist on the campus. Let me tell you the two things that we carry with us even to this very day. Number one, he was able to do an assessment of my personality and my background quickly. And basically he said this, he said, Craig, now you're very assertive. You seem to know what you want and you make quick decisions. Mickey, on the other hand, she's analytical. And so when it comes to decision-making, make sure, even though you think you know what you want, always include her in every decision, number one. The second thing that I carry with me even to this day is this. This of all advice was the greatest advice of all the books I've ever read, any research ever given, is basically this statement. He said, never go to bed at night angry with each other, period. Try that one. There can be some people be mad for a week, a month, some a year. We worked in a college laundry where we met a couple. They were engaged to be married, but yet something happened. Somebody said something, some gossip. And here are two people, literally eight feet from each other, who hadn't spoken in 20 years. And so the greatest advice I think I've ever received, and now I'll admit there sometimes that we stayed up to about two o'clock in the morning, but we made a commitment. We made a commitment, baby. God put us together. In whatever situation we face, we know he's going to see us through this. And so that was one of the greatest advice I, I think I've ever received from anyone. Even the Bible says, never let the sun go down on your wrath. And I think that's that's some of the greatest advice I would give to young people. I would also tell young people is decide who is going to be the captain when it comes to finances. Some couples do it together, but see, I'm blessed. So while I agree that it's not necessarily the opposite attract, but it always seems that God works it out when he brings people together. He always makes sure that your needs are supplied. And so I just happened to run into someone that I just thought was altogether lovely, but she was also an accountant major. <laughs> and to this very day, we don't sit down together and handle the finances. She is the expert when it comes to finances. 
I'll be honest with you. If you give me a hundred dollars and I see a woman on the street holding a baby, there goes that twenty dollars. I'm gonna give to somebody. I'm gonna give ten dollars a year. And so my wife gave me a budget. She gave me a budget, and then I would say, "Don't worry." Don't get into other married people's business, young couples. You see them driving a big car, wave and smile. Just be thankful, be happy for them. But don't try to pattern your life or your finances to try to impress anyone. Then credit. Make sure that you realize no one ever taught us when we were small about credit, the importance of credit. So I would see we would go for a vacation to Big Bear Lake. And then our friend who had the same salary as us were going to Switzerland and Rome and and different places in the world. Why? Because someone had sat down with them and talked to them about, you know, money. But we caught on because I just was blessed to hook up with someone not only good looking, but she had an excellent brain in accounting and finances and knowing how to set aside funds and that's a very important thing. I, I told her when we started, I said, baby, in an apartment, Warren House apartment uh, up on the hill in Huntsville at $139 a month, I made $185 an hour. My wife made $2 an hour, and we were able to get our rent. There were times when I had to get out of college because I couldn't afford it, and I was digging ditches where my colleagues were able to go to school and graduate on time. I was digging ditches. But I told her, I said, baby, if you hang with me, I promise you that things will get a little better. And by God's grace, he's he's answered those prayers. But connect with someone who has these skills and has these gifts. And so I, I decided that I was going to take care of myself educationally, that I would not have to depend on anyone to take care of me, but I would take care of myself and provide for my family. Beautiful, beautiful. So it is definitely, I see it's important to, when you're choosing a mate and when you're married for a newlywed to make sure that, you know, they complement one another, you know, where you might be weak, they might have a strength and where they're weak, then you have that strength that can continue to keep that relationship strong and on the same level. All right. Well, let's move on. Does anyone else like to make a comment? Mrs. Dykes? When you're upset at each other or you're in a heated discussion, get naked. Just both of you have to have your clothes off and continue. See what happens. (laughs) That goes into our next. I'm just saying. (laughs) That's why. We're going to talk about that in in the next section, right? Okay. (laughs) Jumping the gun there. Okay. That's called naked truth. <laughs> I love it. The program on TV. <laughs> when you're married, and I got this particular question from my niece, she had met her significant other's family, her now husband's family, and they became married and the family for some reason did not like her as a spouse for him. So how do you handle in-laws or families stepping in, even though you know that you love this person, they felt that because she had two children, she wasn't the right mate for their son, that she wasn't the ideal wife for their son. 
And how do you handle in-laws or other people interjecting their opinions when you really have come to a place where you know that you found the right person? I think it's really important to do just what he did. You have to really, when you get married, you are committing to that person. Yes, you are marrying the whole family, but if the family isn't accepting of your mate, you still have to support your spouse that you made a commitment to, and you have to affirm them, and you have to let your family know, this is the person I love. Whether you accept them or not, you're not going to stop loving your family, and you just do the best you can. You do what works. If it means, you know, having a different kind of family getting togethers or whatever, but you affirm your mate, that you love them, and you receive them, and you let your family know that you love them and it's not going to be sides. You don't take sides. You still love your family, but this is the spouse. This is the person that God told me to marry. And the fact that they're still married is saying it's working for them. And now having to come together after the children are grown and gone, sometimes it takes a while for people to literally come together. I had a family member that got married like that at the altar, at the wedding, the mother of the bride came and said, are you sure you want to go through with this? <laughs> Mother was on one side of the bride. She had her wedding gown on. And the grandmother was on the other side. Are you sure? I'm, I'm watching this. They literally were not supportive of the marriage at all. Not at all. It took them six months. It was only six months, praise God. It wasn't 10 years or 20 years. And I know in other relationships, it takes even longer. Right. But after six months, then they finally accepted that their daughter was going to be married to this person and it was going to, it was going to be what it was. And so they became very supportive, but it is a challenge because the family dynamic does interfere quite a bit in a lot of relationships. That's why I believe in the principle of leaving and cleaving that before one can honestly cleave, you've got to leave. Relationships aren't a Phil Donahue show you got to come to the point where you got to leave your mom and daddy. Now, I do understand there are certain situations nowadays because of economics, especially out here in California, where homes, properties are very expensive. You see two and three generations under the same household. But I'm just saying that should not necessarily be the practice in terms of relationships. I think, you know, even when I was courting my fiance at that time, you know, I, I didn't answer the question. I say, look now, baby, now I know I got to talk to your mama and your daddy. What if they say they're not going to give us a blessing, that they're not going to bless us? What are we going to do? And I guess we had to make a commitment that we love them both dearly, but we just believe that God had put us together and we weren't being rebellious. We just felt that we were doing God's will. But the good news was, is that they gave us the go ahead sign. But I'm just saying that our lives should not be determined upon other people accepting us or necessarily loving us outside of our relationship, because we got to build our own family, build our own home. Great. Those are great answers. Thank you so much. The next question that I have deals with outside people within the marriage. How do you handle your spouse's friends who are constantly around or if you don't like the friends or if you don't like what influence they're making? 
in your relationship? How do you handle that outside people interfering in your relationship or your spouse's friends if you have an issue with that? Well, the first thing is that your spouse needs to be your best friend. And that helps to solve a lot of it. So you're not looking for deeper relationships outside of your marriage. Uh, And then secondly, if there are others who you are friends with, it's just like the one we were talking about with the family relationship. Husbands and wives come first. Those on the outside, you only have permission to get involved when we invite you. Otherwise, you're not invited. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of Answers to Life's Challenging Questions, Couple Edition. And we have been dealing with our four amazing couples who have been sharing a little bit about their life experience over 150 years worth of experience combined. And they have shared with us last week on what it means to date or court and They gave some solid advice to couples who are jumping into relationships and choosing to date. They also this week talked a lot about marriage and what advice they gave to new couples and those who are newlywed, newly married. And so next week, guess what we're jumping into for our third episode? We are going to be discussing the three letter word sex. So please don't miss that episode. We'll be talking about sex. And lastly, we'll be discussing how to properly deal with finance within a relationship. You know, do you do a credit check? Do you not do a credit check? What about a background check? So please join back with us for episode three of Answers to Life's Challenging Questions, Couples Edition. If you'd like to get a hold of us or for one of our couples, please log on to our Facebook group at Answers to Life's Challenging Questions or go to our Instagram page. Or for those of you who are not internet or social media savvy, we have a hotline for you at area code 415-690-8605. That's 415-690-8605. Feel free to leave your questions, share with us your thoughts, as well as we want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. For those of you who have been enjoying the podcast, we really want to encourage you to go on and subscribe to our podcast, like it, rate it. You know, as you do these things, it really not only helps our podcast, but it helps other people who are out there looking for some great advice. And when you rate our podcast, it gives them that additional information about what our podcast is like and what our listeners love about it. Well, that concludes another episode of our podcast. We'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today. And thank you so much to our amazing panel for sharing with our listeners your heart, your advice, and your experience. We really appreciate you all for joining with us. Take care. We appreciate you joining us on this episode of Answers to Life's Challenging Questions. For more information and resources, be sure to join us on Facebook to connect directly with your hosts, as well as others just like you who are looking for answers to life's challenging questions. You can find us at facebook.com slash answers to life's questions. Until next time.